Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining myself and Brian on the show today is Tyler Notch. Now, Tyler's a guy, dude, he's right in your neck of the woods, Brian. He's in central Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, that's right where I grew up. I'm sure we had some of the same stomping ground. Yeah, so I'm pumped to chat with him. So he's got about as much experience out west as I do. Okay. Like, he's fairly new. I would consider him still a beginner or a rookie. But six years chasing after elk and mule deer and whitetail out west, and so I'm excited to pick his brain. Oh, sounds like a cool guy. Yeah. What uh, what's new in your neck of the woods? Just getting ready. Um, I was in Iowa all last week, and then did a little bit of shed hunting, and I unfortunately didn't find anything, which I was really bummed about because I was walking some really good looking publics and saw a lot of deer sign. Um, it wasn't the kind of walk that you expect to find 10, but I would have, um, thought I would have found one. So that was kind of a bummer. But yeah. other than that, just getting ready to go out West with Steven, I think our listeners are probably getting tired of us talking about it and not doing it yet, but it's coming. It's, we got a date on the books where 19 sleeps out. Dude, we, we get on a call tomorrow with him and just get details, figure out exactly what we need to bring out there. I'm so pumped. And he just found his first freshly dropped elk shed of the year. Yeah, he's going to torture us for the next 19 days, I'm sure. What did you think about that picture of 29, or that message about getting 29 sheds? Dude, that's, I just hope, I don't want to get so excited that we're like, oh, we're going to find a ton, because I don't want to jinx it. I just hope we go out there and like find sheds and just have a great time and camp. I'm thinking I might smoke a pork butt get some barbecue pulled oh pork gosh. for the trip yeah dude i am all about that i'm gonna be bringing a bunch of venison sticks i got all my meat back from wisconsin so i've got like pepperoni garlic sticks i've got summer sausage jalapeno cheddar i've got um man i don't even know what all i've got i've got two freezers <coughs> full right now of nothing but venison so i'll be bringing some of that out to fuel us while we go and look for sheds. Yeah, you bought two freezers to go down or up to Wisconsin yeah. to get your deer, right? Yeah, dude. I had I had a deep freeze already. I've got an upright for upright fridge and freezer out in the shop. And then I was like, dude, I need more. I need more space. Like, because I'm not the guy, I don't want like three hundred pounds of meat yeah. just piled on top of each other. Like I like to keep it organized, you yeah. know? And so now I've got like all my elk in a freezer along with some of Missouri's whitetail. And then I've got um, more, actually my second whitetail from Missouri in a different freezer and my Wisconsin whitetail in another freezer. But it's all like perfectly, like all the summer sausages side by side, the burgers side by side, all the steaks are in one place, all the, all the bologna's in one place, all the bacon's in one place. So nice. I like to keep organized, man. Yeah, so my I have a I have a deep freeze, an upright freeze, and then my kitchen freezer. And on the deep freeze, it worked out that you know what a milk crate is, right? Like square. A lot of oh, people yeah. put their like sunflower heater 
yep. propane bottle in them. Well, they make a bigger one that's like a rectangle. And those fit perfectly like the deep way in my deep freeze. And I can oh, fit two dang. of them on top of each other. So I can put four in my deep freeze before you hit like the freezer unit. And so I have like, they're color coded, right? So the red one might be all hamburger. And the blue one is all like shanks and bone in stuff. Yeah. And then I can just lift one whole thing out and get to the one on the bottom. But otherwise, you like pile all your stuff in a deep freeze. You can't get at the stuff at the bottom. Exactly. And that's my that's my biggest issue. And so I'm actually looking online for some type of crate or divider with that the proper dimension to where I can still pull it out. Yeah. But I can just have everything divided up because I know I'm not like there's no way I'm going through all the meat that I currently have before I start putting more stuff in there. Turkey season's like well, you're a not, month away. You're not going to put you too know, much in the so. freezer for turkey season. <laughs> no, that's true. But <laughs> and sheds and look, you don't have to freeze, so boom, boom. But like Oklahoma hog is coming up, so like I've got pork coming there. My buddy Brad is like, dude, you want to do some swapping? Because he he has raised and butchered two pigs that I've sold him. Oh and yeah. He's got like three freezers just full of pig. Oh, I mean, pig like for pig. everything you can think of, fat, like yeah all the cuts and so he's like you want to you want to swap out some venison for bacon and pork and oh I'm my like, gosh dude i could probably do that i'm like we got our little like backcountry barter system going on here me and all my buddies with the different animals we kill like hey i'll trade you some of this for some of that dude i used to i used to go out goose hunting with a crew and they were killers and i would just say like hey if anyone doesn't want to keep the geese i'll take them like you don't even have to clean them yeah. And so you got, I got a ton of geese. I mean, I think one time I came home with like 50 snows. It was whatever the possession yeah. limit was for spring season, which I think is unlimited. And yeah. I turned it all into sticks and jerky with like a bunch of sausage and cheese. And it was delicious. And then every time, all summer long, we'd go to a bonfire. We'd play darts in the yard. I'm always bringing a couple packs. Never yeah. had to bring any home. Dude, that's amazing. Well, it's going to be a fun trip. Hopefully we'll have some good snacks. We're definitely going to have some good meals. But uh, Tyler just jumped in the waiting room, so what do you say we hop in? Awesome. Excited to meet him. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And joining us on the show is Tyler Notch from central Minnesota. We were just talking about my Packers hat that I have on for the, pod- <laughs> for the podcast listeners who can't see, I do have a Packers hat on and I'm talking to two dudes from Minnesota. So maybe not the best move on my part, but either way, we're excited to have you on Tyler. Thanks. I appreciate it. It hurts a little bit to have to look at that Packers hat the whole time, but I'll suck it up, I guess. I really should have put my flag up in the, like a, on oh. the back wall, maybe like Rogers, like running it into oh, the, end no. zone on the Vikings or something. <laughs> not that that happens all the time. Right. It's never going to happen again, but. Well, we'll just uh, throw up a, a fat head of, uh, who was it, Harrison Smith? Or, no, not yeah, uh, yeah. that broke his collarbone then. 
Oh gosh. Anthony yeah. Barr, I think it oh, was. Barr, yeah. Yeah. You can tell yeah. how much I like football, but I was going to comment. <laughs> you can tell Dan doesn't really do much video because at least Tyler and I got the message to wear a hunting hat to a hunting <laughs> podcast. Hey, dude, I've got a hunting shirt on. Best retrievers, man. This is where Scout's at oh. being trained right now. Nice. So, he's, yeah. He's got sorry. that I'm going for him. I'm not repping all my favorite hunting brands right now. I probably should be <laughs> a podcast host. Well, man, we're excited to have you on. And uh, before we started recording, we were talking about experience levels yeah. uh, just between the three of us. We've all had roughly the same amount of experience hunting out west. And so it's going to be really cool to get your take on things as someone who's been chasing after elk for over half a decade now, chasing after whitetails and mule deer out west. So uh, before we jump into that part of the conversation, why don't you share with the listeners maybe a little bit about yourself, what you do in the outdoor space, and uh, what your passions are? Yeah, for sure. Uh, like you said, Dan, I'm from central Minnesota. Uh, I've been hunting elk for about seven, well, this will be my seventh year this year. Um, as far as the outdoor space goes, I did uh, just become part owner of the Alexandria Shooting Park here in Alexandria, Minnesota, which is a trap range uh, and soon to be archery range here in, in central Minnesota. Uh, and outside of that, I am involved with uh, backcountry hunters and anglers here in Minnesota as well. I'm on the executive board of our Minnesota chapter. So I've been really involved with those guys. I've done stuff with uh, the Youth Outdoor Activity Day that we have here in Alexandria um, to help kids out. And then also uh, volunteered my time a lot with um, various other things like Pheasant Fest and some of those big events that happen in Minnesota as well. So that's been a good experience for me too, to get um, kind of get used to working with those in the outdoor industry that have been there for a little while. Uh, and Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is is a passion of mine from the standpoint that I hunt out West and mostly public land. And I want to do all I can to maintain that public land for the future, uh, specifically my family and specifically even more my kids. Um, so that's been a big passion of mine as well. So that's a little bit of background on me outside of, of outdoors. Um, my career is actually as an executive director of a senior living facility here in central Minnesota. So I manage about 170 staff and, 290-ish residents every single day. So that keeps me pretty busy. Um, and then, like I said, I got a wife and three kids. And besides that, it's just all hunting for me. So wife, kids, career, and then hunting. Dang, you've got, you kind of have your hand in a little bit of everything, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. The shooting park, backcountry hunters and anglers, your, your day job, which yeah. every time I hear, like, I... I had a girl that I knew she actually volunteered for an organization I worked with and she worked at a senior living community. And every time I would go there, like we went there and we tried to put on a volunteer event one time. And every yeah. time I would go, I just kept having like a flashback of Ben Stiller <laughs> in happy Gilmore <laughs> saying like, you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. <laughs> so now that's going to, I think I'm going to Photoshop your face on his body for this, this uh, podcast cover. That that totally works, and I've made that reference before as well. So I'm glad you <laughs> bring that up. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I got to ask about the Alexandria Shooting Park because yeah. I have not been there. Yeah, I used to take that route to go home to or to go to my hometown of Eau Claire, um, but yep. now I take a totally different route. What what made you want to get into that? Um, 
was the idea to get into it and then also transition it towards more archery or did you buy it for your love of trap shooting and then say, Oh, I've got another cool idea. Yeah. Uh, it was a little of both. Um, I think as my passion for elk hunting specifically has grown in archery as well, cause that's all, the, that's all that I mostly do. Um, it's kind of led me to look for things that really align with that passion. And I got three other guys that I'm in on that shooting park with, um, two of them are very close friends. And then one of them is becoming a very close friend. So it's been good to, to forge those relationships. And two of the three are already in the outdoor industry. So it's been good for me to learn from them as well. But we had a, we had an idea that we started with, which was to, to kind of build our own shooting park specifically with retail and some other things in there. Um, and we always kind of had our eye on, on the shooting park to be that spot. And we thought it was a long shot, but we went and approached the ownership group and they originally told us no, but then um, they told us yes after thinking about it for a little while. And, you know, just being able to, to combine my passion again for archery and elk hunting, um, the focus for me, I'm the only archery guy of the group. So I wanted to be able to bring archery to our community and really help grow it here in central Minnesota. Um, and I, I use the reference a lot with people here in, in Alexandria that I want archery to be uh, what trap was about 10, 15 years ago, where it was just starting to blow up. Um, and I want that, that same kind of path for archery. And I think, I think they're doing some really good things in our community. And I think we can help support that. And I think with the passion that I have for it too, uh, and the ownership group we have, we're going to do some really cool things out there. They're going to make it, make it pretty, um, pretty big, not just in Alexandria, but I think central Minnesota as a whole and, and really the Midwest as a whole too, if we can do the things we want to do. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. you've kind of jumped into it at a peak time for archery mm -hmm. archery just seems like it's blowing up and I don't know yeah. the numbers. I don't know industry numbers like yep. sales wise and, and overall interest, but in my mind, I'm like, dude, archery is king right now. Mm -hmm. Nothing seems to compete with it. Yeah. Obviously you still have those people that go out year after year for the gun season in their, in their state or in their County, mm -hmm. but all the media online seems to just be centered around archery, Western hunting, getting off the beaten path, going public, you know, yeah. there's just movement of that right now. Yeah, I agree completely. And I've done some, just to put some perspective on it for maybe for you, you guys and then the listeners too, is, I, I did some work with the high school here in Alexandria. They invited me to come watch their um, high school archery program. Uh, they had, I think, 40 kids in the, the varsity kind of club. And then they told me they had about 60 in the middle school. And then the goal was to send all of the middle school kids through that. So about 360 kids will be going through archery here just in Alexandria. And then uh, some of our neighboring communities, um, like I know before we jumped on, Brian said he's familiar with the Vegas <laughs> area. They just had a, I think a, an archery shoot in their school. I want to say a couple of weeks ago. And then there's a couple other local towns too, that have some, some archery programs. So you're looking at 500, 600 kids, probably just in a 20 mile radius of Alexandria that'll be going through some sort of archery program. So we're happy to be able to support that. That's incredible. Yeah. And man, Brian, you're going to have to uh, be the northern arm of the Western rookie representing <laughs> at any events they do up there. 
Yeah, I was thinking when I went through middle school, they did an archery segment in gym, and we asked if we could bring in our own bows, and she was like, yeah, sure, go for it. And so we brought in our own bows for it. There's like three, four of us that bow hunted. and But when they rolled out those targets, those old, what is it, red, yellow, blue? Yep. The holes were like gone. And we're like, I'm not shooting my bow at that thing. It's going to go like straight through and bounce off the wall on the other side. So we didn't even use them. No, yeah, that'd be pretty risky, man. Like go through, hit the concrete wall or the cinder block and come back at you. Well, one, like, one or two segments after us, a kid's bow got stolen out of the gym. Like, he had to bring it for, like, the whole six weeks and leave it locked in the storage room, and somebody stole his bow, so that put an end on all that. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, good. it was a Hoyt. If it was a Matthews, oh. they would have just left it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, they can take the Hoyt if they want, but. Unbelievable. <laughs> Dude, you got to throw that out there. Just on just, the off chance that Hoyt's listening. Just yeah. You're, oh, you're just you're just trying to get a sponsor. That's all you care. You're just like, I don't actually really like their bows, but Matthew's already turned me down because they're too good for me. No, Matthew's is a great bow. I've been shooting him a long time. I but the Hoyt's got the eighty pound in my draw length, so I'm gonna be switching. There you go. Do you think that will help you kill an animal? Lately, my problem with killing elk with my bow is that I hunt with my brother, and he carries around, like, all four of the lucky rabbit's feet. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He, yeah, you got to just steal a couple of those from his pack at some point. Yeah, we, like, it, I'll have, like, the unluckiest encounter where I draw back, stop the bull, range it, dial in, perfect, and I go to squeeze off just a nice, graceful, like, release. And there's a branch like two inches in front of my arrow that I can't see in front of my sight. And I just wham, hit it, tree explodes, arrow's gone. Elk just stands there and looks back. And there's my brother, steps out, how far? <laughs> Gets it. <laughs> so that was in Montana. Dang. Gosh, that was just a as it's like that's happened twice to me. Not exactly the same details, but twice we've like stumbled into a bowl. And for some reason, I have the worst luck, and I can't. I'm out of the game completely before it even starts. See now, as you as you get deeper into hosting the Western Rookie, those opportunities, like he's going to be the one who's missing, and you're going to be smoking mm-hmm. him. Well, I started when I was 21. He started when he was like 41. So I got a 20 year head start before I got to start <laughs> doing his old Indian tricks of you know pulling one out of the quiver and. Just doing Kentucky windage. Legless? Yeah. Oh, man. Tyler, what about you? Yeah. How, how did you get into Western hunting? Because uh, I like to hear the stories because everyone's got – some people have the same story, but for the most part, it's it's all different out there uh, with people's yeah. experience and their journey to it. Yeah, it's been, it's been a great experience. My first exposure was um, I went – Gosh, it's probably almost 13 or 14 years ago now. Well, maybe more. Um, I went with my dad out to South Dakota. There was an Indian reservation out there called Lower Brule um, Indian Reservation. And he had hunted it in the past. They have a lot of mule deer and whitetail out there. Um, it's on the, pretty close to Chamberlain. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Chamberlain, but it's right on the other side of the, the Missouri River there. Um, and we went out there, and that was my first kind of exposure to what I would consider a Western hunt. And that just, that was all spot and stock. Um, I was able to spot within, and this was really like my first time ever really 
hunting in that type of element. And I hiked, I, I, I stalked within, I think, probably 10 yards of what I would consider a 160, 170 inch whitetail that was bedded up uh, on this little drainage. And I had no idea what I was doing. So um, something behind me like popped out of the bush. I can't remember if my dad was like 600 yards back or what it was, but something popped out, which caught the deer's attention. And he stood up and instead of pulling back and shooting, I ducked down into the drainage because I didn't want him to see me. Um, and he kind of took off and, and I never got a shot at him. So that was like my first failed stock, but not really a failed stock when I got that close to that big of a whitetail. Um, so that was my first exposure. And then uh, I had a little break in between there. Um, we moved back from like Grand Forks, North Dakota. We moved back to Alexandria and my first, I think it was my first year back. My dad asked me to go out to, to Montana with him. And I took him up on it. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and that was my first trip out there. And we went, we were in kind of central Montana. Uh, I didn't do any scouting. I didn't really do any training. I didn't do, do anything really to prepare for it other than shoot my bow once in a while and throw a pack on a week before. Um, and I got my butt kicked. Uh, we saw some elk. We did not see a lot of elk. Uh, I shot a, a mule deer doe. Um, but that was all we got. And I think we were out there for, I want to say 10 days and it was a pretty eye opening experience for, for me. Um, and to be quite honest, I don't know that I've ever really shared this story with anybody, but I had severe, severe anxiety back then, um, to the point where I would get like almost little panic attacks when I was out in the woods by myself specifically out in an element like that that I had never been in before and it started to weigh on me mentally like big time and it was to the point where I was like I don't know if I want to want to be out here anymore and I never quit anything in my life but that was like the first moment I ever had where I was like I kind of want to throw in the towel on this one and I I kind of did and it's something that I will never forget but what it did um I just had this like sinking feeling in my stomach for the next year. And that whole next year, I was like, never again, is that going to happen? Um, and I started to train year round, started to shoot my bow year round, started to scout year round. Um, and it really drove me into this like disciplined mind frame to really push myself to be the best that I could, uh, to not have those mental barriers be a factor in the future. And unfortunately, um, my second and third year out, we were out with, uh, we, we switched up like who we went with. We, we kind of went through a couple of different hunting partners, but, um, a couple of those years, uh, there was a couple of situations where it was kind of the same thing where it was like, you could tell it was weighing mentally on the people that were with us and they maybe just didn't want to be out there as long as we did. And at that point, um, I, I didn't really have the gumption to be like, well, suck it up. We're staying out here. So uh, I learned a couple lessons there. Um, we, we started to get into elk a little bit more, uh, but not consistently. Um, so it was really around 2019, I think, when I went out to, to Montana, there was um, the there, there was a, a range in kind of south central Montana that we went to. Um, and it was full of grizzlies. So that was, that was a, a eye-opening experience. And 
while we were out there, we actually ran into a group that was from Alexandria. I can't remember what their names were, um, but it was kind of a small world where we ran into some guys from from Minnesota out there, and they kind of pointed us in the direction of where where elk would be. But we got into some elk, and then um, we actually ran into two or three guys on the road that had gotten mauled by grizzlies. So Dang. we uh, we we kind of looked at each other and talked about it. We kind of drove around a little bit more and. We had some other spots in mind that would uh, we we knew we could get into some elk, uh, but we drove out there, um, had some good encounters with elk, but ultimately those grizzly bears drove us to a different uh, different unit, and then uh, we didn't have as much luck as we would have liked. So yeah, we've you know our groups hunted the grizzlies. I don't think Dan's ever hunted in grizzly country because he usually stick to Colorado. But we've hunted some gnarly grizzly country, and I remember one year we were going out, and they shut down, like, the south half of a mountain, and we were hunting the north half, but they shut down the south half because an entire herd of cattle died. They ate the wrong flower, and they all died, and there were so many oh bears. Out. They counted, like, 29 grizzly bears out in this one meadow, and so we're like, well, at least we don't have to worry about bears because they're all on the other side of the mountain, and then the day we arrive... They're like, all right, all the grizzly bears are gone. They went home. You can come in here again. And I were like, shit, now they're all back. And so first night, one of our guys shoots an elk, quarters it up, gets it back to camp. And then somebody in our camp, like, ran into other people that got mauled. And then the paper said later on the way back, like, oh, grizzly bear attack, you know, one mile up, you know, Snake Creek. And we're like, Ben, didn't you shoot a bull, like, one mile up Snake Creek in the only patch of timber that is on Snake Creek? And he's like. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much exactly. Brian, were you were you guys staying in a cabin when you were in that mountain range? Uh, we've done both. It depends on which year. In 2019, we stayed in a in a cabin. Yeah, that was the the year I was in Montana, and wherever we were at, kind of had the same situation. So, yeah, were were you were you the guys that we ran into out there? <laughs> Must have been. You think so? Must have been us. I mean. Not too many guys huh. from Alexandria. What a small world. Yeah. Dang, that's wild, man. You guys are like, realize you've already met each other out in the middle of nowhere in Montana. Well, we didn't really meet each other out in the middle of nowhere in Montana. We kind of went out there as a one group. <laughs> oh. Tyler and I have known each other for yeah, a couple we've of years. Been... Have you guys I, I, really? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you guys just been, oh my God. <laughs> I had Tyler on. I feel my... like this is some stupid TikTok prank my wife is playing on me right now. I'm like, this is everything about this seems so wild to me. You're like, Tyler, you're talking. Brian, yeah. you're talking, and I'm thinking like, dude, everything that Tyler's saying, I know that Brian like has done that. That's where he hunts. This is this is insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tyler yeah, on my so podcast. Dumb. Like, I, I'm two just months gonna ago. leave this podcast right now. You guys can just take it from here. So Tyler's work, the senior living center that he directs is like a mile from my parents house and the half mile from my brother's house i was like, already gonna make a comment like brian you need to go over there and play bingo with those guys and just <laughs> whitetail hunting access like does anybody have any property like i'll come play bingo every week with you yeah no tyler texted me like six weeks ago and he's like hey are you leading this western rookie podcast now and i'm like yeah i'm co-hosting it why and he goes i just got a confirmation email i'm gonna be on the podcast later in march I'm like, oh, don't tell Dan you know me. 
this freaking sucks so bad. <laughs> I was actually kind of nervous telling that story because I was kind of trying to figure out how I'd wrap it up to let Brian kind of dive in there. But this whole this whole time, I'm literally thinking like, this is insane. How many similarities these two guys have? <laughs> Like so. Yeah, we had to get you specifically since you have that Packers hat yeah, on. So. Here, I'll just turn it around. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, we, but so uh, it was legit though. We went out. Yeah. We had hunted it before, and then Tyler and his dad said, "Hey, like we've been burned so many times with bad yeah. hunting partners, and we're like, well, where we go is big enough that you can like camp next to us, and then we'll just like tell you where some spots are and where you're not mm-hmm. to go. But there was something in the water that year with grizzlies. Yeah. Five people, five people got mauled mm-hmm. the week we were there." One of them was on very likely on one of our elk carcasses. Um, My brother goes, hey, Tyler, you and your dad can go hunt this. Like, it's kind of a small (laughs) strip of timber, but you guys can go hunt it. Um, It's, you know, it's good elk hunting. And Tyler walks right into a dinner plate or a dinner. uh, Yeah, there was a there was a buried elk grizzly kill right there on the edge of the timber. And like like two idiots, we decided to walk up to it. And luckily nothing nothing came after us but it was pretty wild being out there we saw a ton of elk though so it's a it was a really good spot and i i told brian on his podcast we actually went back there this year um we got one cow out of that same exact area and then uh, i called in a giant bull for my dad to about 60 and he ended up missing it but it's uh it's one of the better elk areas if you can deal with the grizzly <laughs> when tyler, the grizzly fear when tyler told me that i'm like what you guys went yeah. back there like <laughs> the grizzlies didn't even bother us that much but you mm-hmm. left that week because the grizzlies mm-hmm. were like right on top of where you guys were yeah yeah dang so, i don't yeah i haven't done a whole lot in grizzly country in the lower 48 i've done a couple hunts on kodiak and we've had close calls there but I feel like it would be different being with a big group of guys. Not that like that's going to stop a grizzly bear. Yeah. But the encounters that I've had, it's been like me and my wife. And <laughs> it's a little unnerving when she's armed with two trekking poles and you know, she's just screaming yeah. at it. And I'm like, Hey, apparently a there's... trekking pole is all you need. If you ask Giannis Patelis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Sure. Yeah. Dude, smacking it in the face. No, it's... <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different ball game, man. Packing that, packing that deer out. That was unnerving, to say the least, especially because 80% of our hike was through, like, salmon berries that were seven feet tall. And so, I mean, it's like clear paths. Like, people hike this trail all the time. But I'm talking, like, a wall of salmon berries on both sides, and you can't see five feet. And I'm just packing out a bloody, like, (laughs) black-tailed deer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just come and get it. I would say that I, uh, grizzly country is not scary while the sun's up. I have no issues with grizzly no, country when the sun's up. No. But we had to pack two bulls out at dark in that unit, and that's where you start. You get a little spring in your step. You, you're surprised how many extra gears you really have down there when you're, <laughs> you got a quarter of bait on your back and it's dark and you're trying to get back. Um, or when you wake up at night and the outhouse is like, what was it, Tyler? Like seventy-five yards outside yeah. the wire. Yeah, like, and you guys had seen a grizzly, I think, like the night before or something. Like three hundred yards in that yeah. direction. Yeah. So you're waking Jeez. up in the middle of the night. You got to go number two, right? There's not a lot of good options. So you're like, do I just squat in the middle of camp, 
<laughs> and like stay close. Like there's a little bit of comfort staying oh, high dude, out the I'd trucks and all the bag, man. Or do I walk out to that porta potty out there where you gotta like you gotta get out of the corral and you gotta like walk through the woods for like fifty yards and it's like up in this clearing. Man, was that a scary walk sometimes at like two in the morning. <laughs> no. I yeah, I I'm normally really good with animals. Like I don't get wigged out by a whole lot, but there have been some times especially up in Alaska where I'm like, dude, there's nothing I could do right now. Like if they wanted me, I'd be done. Yeah. And, they can just have you at that point. Right. Yeah. What are, yeah. You, what are you guys doing for bear protection out there? Are you doing a sidearm and bear spray? Um, the, the group I went out there with this year, there were four of us, including myself. I had bear spray. The other three had pistols. Um, I want to say they all three had 10 millimeters, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So, okay. Yeah. The first year we went to that unit, I had a big old like six inch three fifty seven revolver. <laughs> it was terrible. It was so heavy. It the barrel would always hit me in the leg on every step, and it just got so annoying. So I went and bought the Glock twenty in a ten mil, and then we carry when it's serious grizzly country. Me and my brother mm-hmm. always carry ten mils and spray. Um, one of our guys only carries a pistol, and then another guy only carries spray, and they're kind of. They differ in opinion. One guy also, the guy that only carries a pistol, sprayed himself with bear spray one time. So <laughs> I don't know if that factors in. Yeah, I'd probably switch to a pistol at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. We we had a guy at elk camp my first year there. He's a giant dude. We call him Herd Bull. And he, he had me pick up his pack one time. And the pack was easily 100 pounds. I'm talking like he had the biggest, I think it was a mystery ranch pack, the largest mystery ranch pack that they made completely stuffed full. And this guy's like probably six, five, he's got to be three twenty. I mean, and he's like, yeah, Dan, check out my new pack. And I like go to put it on. It, I mean, it takes everything in me just to get it onto my shoulders. And he's like, yeah, dude. And I brought my sword arm. <laughs> Same thing that you're talking about. I think he had like a 44 mag. And it was the. It looked like one of those revolvers that you see in the showcase at Shields, and it's got like a full rifle scope mounted on top. I mean, it was that big. It was just huge. And I'm like, "What are you doing, man? Like, what do you think is out here? We're in Colorado. I mean, I'm sure there is like an occasional grizzly that strays into Colorado, but you don't have to carry something that size." He ended up leaving a lot of his stuff out at Spike Camp. And he's like, dude, literally, if anybody wants any of that stuff, you can go out there and get it because I am not going back in. And then by the <laughs> end of the week, he decided, okay, I'll go back for my stuff. Nice. Yeah, I I'm trying to get more into the lightweight game. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. have I don't carry a heavy pack most of the time, um, but I'm trying year after year to refine the gear that I take out and just become more minimalistic with my with my pack yeah I say that every that. year every year i say that i'm gonna cut some weight i'm gonna cut some weight and then i strap on my back i'm like this thing still weighs 40 pounds i don't know what happened and i start like putting it together in my head i'm like all right eight pounds of water no wait that's a gallon i don't do the gallon four pounds of water a couple pounds of glass that's like my puffy jacket like is that where, like that's not where the weight's coming from but then i realized like oh yeah i got a camera i got two spare batteries a juicer my cell mm-hmm. phone all this other extra gear and then it it adds up fast my buddy that went with me this year um it was his first time doing a western hunt and uh 
he was texting me like the whole time right before we were leaving. And he texted me like two days before he's like, how much does your pack weigh? And I think he said, mine's at like 60. And I said, Oh, mine's at 25. <laughs> he's like, what? How did you get it to that? It's probably it's- bringing the black stone, some propane, <laughs> yeah. got a box of yeah. of eggs. I gave him a hard time for it. It sounds like my wife, when we go out camping, we'll like hike in three, four miles. Uh, and we've got this spot that we always like to go hit. We cross the river like four times to get there. And when I'm talking about food to take out, she's like, oh, I want to do I want to do foil packs. And so I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds fine. So we go to the store. She's buying like whole bell peppers. She's <laughs> buying cans of cream corn, cans of cream of mushroom soup, like potatoes, all this stuff. And I'm like, who's carrying all that? And she's like, you are, you've got a bigger pack. And I'm like, we're going out for two days. Like we don't need all this food. We could eat a big meal before we go out there and then not even eat until we come back. And instead I've literally got a whole thing of like Reynolds aluminum foil in my backpack. <laughs> I just, I don't That's do wild. it, but I can't, I can't say a whole lot. Cause if I'm just going out for like a day hunt, I typically have a pretty, like I pack way too much crap when my pack's empty if yeah. that makes sense if i'm going yeah. out just for the day i'll be like oh i got room for this sure i'll throw that in i'll throw that in I, i'm with snacks, you completely but... on that yeah i'll like throw the the jet boil in for a day and like two mountain house meals and it's like what the heck are you doing why are you putting all that in there yeah i'll throw the jet boil in my pack to go deer hunting in like a tree stand <laughs> and i've cooked jet boils like turned around put it on the seat and cooked like full meals yeah. in the deer stand that's a good idea yeah. for a full day sit, you know? Yeah. It is a great idea. Yeah. Dude, jet boils are amazing. Mm-hmm. I swear by them. I, I bring mine everywhere. I hardly take a pack out without that being in it. Yeah. Are you guys, uh, so, all right. Take a step back for a second. <laughs> you guys obviously know each other. How long have you been hunting together? Well, well we just, 2019. Yeah, that was, so, yeah. Oh. That was kind of the first time we hunted together and then. I'm really good friends with Brian's brother. Um, and I would say I'm good friends with Brian too. Uh, but we haven't really, I don't think we've really hunted together since then, but yeah, I definitely share stories with the two. They share stories with me and we kind of bounce ideas off each other once in a while. So okay. it's been, been since 2019. I think I met your brother before then maybe, but yeah, probably through youth day. 20. So the youth yeah. day that his, his range now hosts, my brother runs. He started it. Now they're up to what twenty five hundred kids a year. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Jeez. Yeah. So. And it's all free for the kids. It's a really cool event. Yeah. So really we've we've known each other for a minute. I I lived at the Alex shooting range when I was growing up, but I knew if I told you that, then you'd be like, oh, then you have to know this guy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I just can't believe it took me that long. This whole time, I'm like, there are so many coincidences here. Like these guys are going to be best friends. <laughs> and it turns out you guys are already friends. So <laughs> chokes on me. Yeah. We, we had to do it. Too, we've yeah. only been planning this for six weeks. <laughs> oh yeah. And you were, ta- yeah. And Tyler, you're talking about North Dakota and I'm like, what in the, that is so many things that they've got. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, he texted me this morning. He's like, Hey, you doing the podcast today? And I'm like, well, Dan really hasn't mentioned anything. I'll text him like, Hey, you got any Western rookie guests lined up in the next couple of weeks? I just want to know before I schedule anything. 
knowing that if you like looked at it, you'd be like, oh, this guy is a Western rookie podcast, not oh, a yeah. nomadic outdoorsman podcast. And then you're like, text me back. Yeah, I got one at 730. We could turn into a Western. I was like, all right, sounds like a good guy to have on. <laughs> Dude, you guys suck, man. I hate, I love playing pranks and I feel like <laughs> an idiot when they're played on me. You got me good though. All yeah, right. We got you got me good. good. What you guys don't realize is now I'm going to show up to your elk camp out in Montana. Like, hey guys, how's it? Oh, funny. You guys are here. I doubt it. Yeah. Did you hear the whole I bit doubt. about grizzly bears? <laughs> Dude, I'll, I'll go hunt grizzly country. Like I, I do look forward to hunting up there. Montana mm. was gorgeous. I went there for the first time this year and I fell in love with it. I was every sign that we passed where it was a little cabin for sale in the woods. I was like, babe, look that up on Zillow. Look that up. And we didn't have service any of those places, but mm-hmm. I definitely would love to have a spot up there. That place that we we're talking about was also like picturesque. Like it was mm-hmm. like valleys and then black timber and you'd see elk, you could glass elk. I mean, one time, me and my brother got into a herd of bulls, and just a full herd. I mean, it was we're calling and raking and running up this hill, and turns out Tyler and his dad were just like across the valley. They just stopped and laid down and watched the show because they could see everything. Mm-hmm. It was it was insane. We actually had a uh, satellite bull. I told Brian on his podcast. I don't think he knew it at the time, but we had a satellite bull that came running from behind those two and got to like I don't know two hundred yards from me and my dad just bugling his brains out so it was pretty cool to see watch the whole show that's sweet and yeah you guys i mean brian you've gone out there and had a pretty decent sized group multiple times right yeah i mean that 2019 year it was a little out of control we Mm -hmm. had nine hunters and one bear hunter who didn't he didn't elk hunt so he just bought a bear tag and walked around with his rifle and then we left him at a couple carcasses throughout the week and then as we like started to get reception and we started getting news reports in like oh another one got mauled oh another one got mauled all of a sudden he didn't really want to be left alone at a carcass until dark anymore (laughs) no i don't think i'd want to either man we yeah i i haven't had a lot of bear encounters in fact i've had zero bear encounters while hunting out west yeah Uh, black bears involved or included um but in utah this year lene and i we were setting up camp and as I started tying my tarp up, there was this tiny little patch of pine trees and I was tying it to a branch on one of those pine trees. And then the wind shifted and I caught a smell and I was like, what the heck? And there was a, there was a sheep kill that was stashed right in between all those pine trees. And I was like, Oh wow. Oh crap, dude. Like we <laughs> almost just camped right on top of a carcass that something stashed in the trees. Yeah. Yeah. It can be wild. I was charged. I had like a bluff charge of a black bear. I don't, I say a bluff charge cause it sounds cooler. I think he was just running in my general direction <laughs> <laughs> through the woods. Um, but yeah, well, that's kind of been the issue our groups had for many years is that mm-hmm. we get, we got pretty big. And so then it's like, well, we don't, there's not a lot of places you can go with 10 guys and like everyone's into good hunting, especially, I feel like it's even harder with archery, as weird as that sounds, because you can bugle an entire ridge in one day. Like, two mm-hmm. guys can cover a whole ridge, whereas if you're rifle hunting, you can kind of post up, right? You can put three four people, three or four groups on that same ridge and just kind of hole up and, and kind of still hunt or, you know, scout glass, wait till they come to you. And so that's been the problem, and that's probably the biggest reason why we haven't crossed paths in the west again it was like our group's already so big and then we're having issues mm-hmm. on our own getting drawn because every state's got a max party size 
And so now we had to split up and it's just a disaster. Dang. Yeah. I yeah. I actually we had a another bear encounter, Brian, when we were out in that same trip when we switched to a different uh unit. And we actually called your buddy that had the bear tag because we saw a giant black bear on a kill um in the unit we were in. And while we were down there, um, we were watching this bear and then all of a sudden this brown bear comes from like the west i think and started working its way towards the the kill and we're like oh shit that's a grizzly and this is going to be a show and it wasn't a grizzly it was just a really big cinnamon black bear but they actually fought for about 20 minutes and we uh got to sit there the whole time and watch it so it was pretty cool but we tried to get your buddy to come out there and shoot it but he didn't have any interest so (laughs) he just wanted to walk around with us in the woods yeah i think so too yeah yeah, no, that's a wild, that part of Montana's wild. That's, mm-hmm. it's, we got, we've seen so many bears in that unit. One time we were doing a calling setup, and this is when all of a sudden I look through the woods, we're doing this calling setup, everything's quiet, arrows knocked, and I start seeing something coming through the tree, and like, I got a little gap. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to happen, right? This is going to, elk's walking right towards me. And so I'm getting ready to draw, and I know, I'm like, that's kind of weird. It's like doing like this, coming at me. And I'm like, Elk don't really do that. <laughs> Bound like that. Yeah, and I'll, it's like it goes up and down, up and down. All of a sudden, it gets to like forty yards. I realize it's a bear, a black bear running right at me, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" And I I remember dropping my bow, and my broadhead went straight into the mud, and my bow like bounced once and then tipped over. And I remember like the weirdest things happen in these moments, but I just remember like taking that moment and be like, oh, that was weird. And then I, like, drew my pistol and my bear spray, and about that time, the bear stopped and saw me and stood up and then took off. So I don't know if he was coming at me because we're doing a calling setup or if he was just running in my general direction. Either way, I need a new underwear. doesn't matter. (laughs) And then I'm like, all right, this is cool, but I'm ready to be done. I haven't seen anybody in my party in about an hour. So I circle around and try to find them. Come up on a dead elk, full of cat tracks, right? It looks like a bear track, but no claws, so it's a cat track. I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm by myself, and there's a bear and a mountain lion in here somewhere. <laughs> so I bu- I just start bugling my head off. Like, that's kind of our call sign is, like, if you just bugle an excessive amount, everyone knows there's something wrong. And so we start bugling our heads off. Finally, they bugle. I come up to them, and there's the two head, the two head aliens in our group are hunched over a log going, Look at how cool that looks like. That's a grizzly track. Because there was like a grizzly track and then the claws were far enough out where you could draw a line in between the paws and the claws. And that's how you tell it's a grizzly versus a black bear. And they're like, oh, that's pretty neat. That's like fresh. And I'm like, I've had it. There's a black bear, a grizzly bear, and a mountain lion in these woods. Let's leave. (laughs) You're just waiting for a wolf pack to howl at that point. Yeah, that would have been the trifecta. Or the what is that now? Like a quadruple hat trick? Yeah. Dang, dude. Yeah, Montana seems like a pretty wild place. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't – honestly, it's got to be one of the top states as far as grizzly attacks and encounters. Mm-hmm. Well, Wyoming, I would that, say. Yeah, Wyoming's pretty western. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Wyoming and Montana have to be the – Well, the, the, the heart of the grizzlies in that part of the state are coming out of Yellowstone. That's mm-hmm. the, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem is where these bears were. When we were kind of where they brought – problem bears out of the park and dropped them off is where we were hunting. oh perfect yeah yeah and then the other part of the state where we've also hunted is up by glacier 
And it was also just far enough away from Glacier where no one really lives, where they take the problem bears out of there at Glacier and drop them off in that unit too. We just didn't have enough elk hunting to go back there. There wasn't enough elk. We didn't have that much luck. So that's why we went to this other one where there's more bears but more elk. Mm -hmm. Dang, dude. I I didn't even think about that. Like coming across wild grizzlies is one thing, but then to have grizzlies that have become a problem because they get so used to human presence that they – no, like, hey, if I go here, there's food. If I go here, there's – that sucks, man. That's, like, way worse than just a natural grizzly bear out there, one that associates humans with easy food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't – I don't think they attack that many people. Like, not every grizzly bear goes, oh, there's a person, dinner. But, well, no, I'm not, yeah. I don't think that they think, like, a person equals, like, the person being dinner. But even if they think that, like, yeah. hey – trash yeah left by people or just like that association not i'm gonna eat that person but if i follow them around i'm gonna get food eventually well there's got to be something that year there was something going on because there's four yeah. or five people got mauled all up like the same drainage that we mm-hmm. were hunting in like a week or two and so like there's not that many people hunting this spot it's i i would imagine tyler i don't know like yeah there's maybe there was 10 parties archery hunting that week and five of them got mauled. So like our group had a 50, 50 <laughs> chance and it was probably even higher. Cause we had 10 guys in our group. Yeah. And we had elk meat around camp too. We had elk so meat from day one. Help. Yeah. We had elk meat from day one. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, grizzly was, was within 300 yards of our elk, like hung up in the tree. There was a ton of people out there this year when we were there, oh, like really? a ton. Yeah all over the place it was a lot lot more people than when we were out there the first time what sucked about kodiak is there weren't enough there weren't any trees big enough to even waste your time putting oh. like, your food in the tree and so we oh. we basically just put our packs up on top of this bush like away from camp and that was it but it's like we we didn't have any mature trees because we were up above tree line where we were on Kodiak. And so it was like once we got once we got a couple miles back in, all the brush, everything was down like waist high. And then occasionally you might see a big, like six foot tall bush. And so we just threw our stuff in that. And wow. if, if a bear came in, we would be able to see it with a headlit with a headlamp from our tent. How scary would it have been though if you woke up in the morning and your bag wasn't there anymore? <laughs> Dude, we thought about it. I mean, yeah. we, weren't, we weren't more than a couple hundred yards from when we had that sow and two cub encounter, and Jeez. we came up over that hill. And I told my wife it, there was just something about this spot that we were walking up to. I was like, we need to stop and just look for grizzlies. And she's like, okay, cool. And the whole time we're talking super loud, which is also weird to me. Like I'm hunting or I'm in the area that I'm hunting, but we're basically like singing and yelling to each other the whole way up the mountain. And all of a sudden we stop. And as soon as we stop, it couldn't have been five seconds. I see this giant blonde head and I'm like, oh crap. And it's, it's 40 yards away. And I'm like, Hey bear. She stands up two cubs stand up next to her. And I'm not talking like two year old cubs. I'm talking like, a oh couple of cubs and that I'm just, I'm still to this day, super thankful that 
she decided to take them over the hill the opposite direction. But yeah, then we continued to hike up, set up a tiny little like backcountry two-man tent uh, that we both barely fit in and spent the night. Nice little human burrito for that bear. Yeah. Oh, dude, it would have been, yeah, just pour some, pour some salmon berry jam over the top of us and it'd be a treat. Crazy. But luckily that's the only one we saw on that, on that hunt. We did have two, two bears kick us off of our salmon spot. I think two days before that, that was a crazy trip, man. I don't, I don't know that I've ever told the full story on the Western rookie. Basically we get out there. We start salmon fishing. We get kicked off of our spot from salmon, uh, from two bears. They just came down into the river and we had to bounce out of there. My wife left me for dead. I mean, she was gone. Like <laughs> I'm like carrying stuff, like have my pistol drawn and I'm like backing up and she's just bushwhacking her way back to the truck. Uh, then we go out, we had whales coming up, like slapping their tail right next to the boat as we were fishing. We were fishing for wow. ling cod and uh, halibut and rockfish and salmon. And then uh, the third day that we were there, we get a call from my mother-in-law, who is watching our kids, our apartment, and our vehicles back in Colorado, that someone had stolen our GMC Yukon. And we're like, well, we're in Alaska. There's not really anything we can do about it. And then that night is when we hiked up to our deer hunting spot and had the grizzly encounter and then we woke up the next morning shot a buck i mean first thing in the morning and packed it back out so it's like every day was just wild vehicles getting stolen grizzly encounters whale encounters and to this day that was the coolest trip i've ever been on did you ever get your yukon back yeah (laughs) that's the part of the story (laughs) that's the part you can tell tyler's now a businessman he's thinking about assets (laughs) so we got our yukon back dude i need to post a picture of the guy who stole it we found the mugshot from the arrest and uh his name is james pearson they ended up finding the vehicle in nebraska he drove it to nebraska they busted him at a gas station we get the vehicle back and they're like, oh, hey, you know, it's back in town. Um, you guys can come and get your belongings out of it. So we we show up and I'm like, dude, there's no telling what's in this. So we bought like the big like rubber gloves that come up to your elbows, you know. And we get there and there is every type of adult content you could imagine <laughs> in the back of it. There are toys back there. There's oh flavored lube back there. So like Dirty Mike and the boys straight up had a soup kitchen <laughs> in the back of our Yukon. Um, there was like a, a steel backpack leaf blower, uh, a skateboard, a backpack that had 13 wallets in it. Um, there were DVDs and magazines. And I mean, like it was a mess. And after, and and this is all with our two, like our kids, two car seats in the, Oh my like, God. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is happening? And so we start like going through stuff to make sure that we don't have any valuables in it. I'm like, I don't know if they had like a, uh, extra house key or something in there. And so we're like going through stuff a couple minutes into it. I've got a headache. I feel like I'm going to throw up same thing with my wife. And we're like, dude, he did something, some type of drug in here. And so they sent it off to have like advanced drug testing done on it. He had done meth and ecstasy in it. And so then they just totaled the whole thing. 
Oh my God. Yeah, got us new car seats. Luckily my, my truck, my motor had blown up on the truck like months earlier and we rolled that truck loan into the Yukon loan. And so when they wiped out or when they totaled the Yukon, it wiped out everything I owed on the truck still. Oh, so great. It was actually kind of a big favor, but yeah, right. Pearson, I'll have to send you guys a picture of him, man. He's awesome. He's got Sandra tattooed on his neck. <laughs> so I'd like to meet Sandra at some point also. No regrets across his chest. No regrets. <laughs> Yikes. I'll, yeah, I'll, that's I'll great. stick to the grizzly bears. That's a wild yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I'd rather deal with grizzly bears than meth heads. That's well, true. Me and my brother are pretty cynical, but we always joke like he's he used to be faster than me. It's probably changing a little bit now because he's getting older and I'm still not old. But he always used to joke like I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just got to be faster than you, Brian. And then I'd just respond with the sprays for the bear, the pistols to put one through your kneecap. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the next year he started bringing pistols too. So. <laughs> Yeah. Took your advice. Both, both of you guys are just gonna slowly get eaten because you both shot each other at the same yeah. time. Uh kind of weird today out on the range. We found two elk hunters both mauled by a bear. But the weird <laughs> yeah. part is their IDs said they had the same last name, but they both had bullet holes in their kneecaps. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I saw that I saw that fake news article and I like kind of bit on it at first. Uh and it was that same type of deal where it was uh guy survives grizzly bear attack with just a twenty two his buddy was shot in the kneecap and was not so lucky. <laughs> and I'm like, it sucks so bad. Got you good. You got yeah. me. Apparently, I'm really gullible these days. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. We gotta, well, We should get a grizzly bear encounter story on the podcast. We should find someone. We need to. I'm all about cool. it. I, I've got a question for you guys along the line of grizzly bear encounters. If you knew you would survive without any crazy life-altering injury, but, like, you would get attacked. I mean, for sure attacked, like, claw across the chest or something. But it's non-lethal. It's not going to affect the way you navigate your life day-to-day. Would you do it? 100%. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah, I've sure. said that before. I've said that exact yeah, okay. same thing before. Good. So what's funny is, like, elk hunting keeps me in just good enough shape that I can outrun my brother. And not yeah. for, like, grizzly bears. I'm just saying, like, when you're out of a big group of people, you don't have to be the guy in the best shape. You just can't be in the worst shape. And then you're going to have no. be in the middle of the pack. You'll have a great hunt. And so I'm, like, young enough that I don't really have to be in that great of shape, and I can still keep up with the rest of the guys. But if I got that bear attack and I had, like, a big scar across my chest, then I would feel like I have to be in, like, 24-7, 365 beach body so I could just take my shirt off all the time. And For sure. And then people are like, no, Nobody would that? ever believe you. Well, that's because I got the scar. I know, but they'd never believe what the scar's from. Oh, well, come on. What, do you want to stand there let someone cut me three times with a knife? I think it's pretty obvious when you get a claw scar that it's a claw scar. I, I guess I've never seen it. Gri- Most of the grizzly attacks that I've seen, the guy's missing, like, his ear, half his face, his beard's, like, hanging there by a thread. Uh, it seems like most of the injuries are to the skull when bears attack. Well, if you gave me the power to control that I survive oh, yeah. and that I didn't get mortally wounded or, like, critically injured, like, why don't I get to control where my cool badass scar is? No, that's cool. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I'm i the same way, man. Dude, I'd take one across the face if it meant I wasn't going to lose an eye or something. I'd do three, uh, like, down the side of your head. Yeah, that'd be pretty badass. Dude, especially well. with your red beard. I might look kind of funny because I've got a giant noggin anyways. But, like, dude, with a big old beard and then 
grizzly claw marks down the skull. I've always thought they look badass in movies. It'd be this one would be really hard to like get the scar but not have life altering injuries. To have it where it like crosses your eye. But then oh, I, yeah. I still want my eye. <laughs> now yeah. you're talking. And yeah, then if you could you get like that. super lucky to like defend yourself with some type of hand weapon. Not like a pistol, but like yeah, like, like a knife. Just like, like he yeah, hit like me as I like knife. stabbed him in yeah. the neck, and then there's like a picture to like Game and Fish took a picture of it, and yep. like we have no one at the office is gonna believe this story. Like if we write no. this report up, you're going to jail because they're gonna think you're lying. <laughs> yeah, you sever, you just sever the spinal column with your like just one quick knife stab as I've, it goes for your gut. I've thought about it enough to know if if like a bear was on top of me, and then I shoot it or my brother shoots it or something, and it just like. <laughs> dies on top of me i would have my brother take a picture before he got it off oh yeah i, w- I would i would agree with you That'd and be he'd be cool. if you've met my brother he'd be he's like i don't care so you're ain't gonna hurt me any dude here's the deal as much as i think like dude it'd be crazy to kill like if one attacked you and you somehow kill it with a knife there's no chance man not a grizzly something else maybe but a grizzly like I've I've heard the stories from my buddies, unsuccessful pig killing stories when they go to slaughter a pig and like having to try to finish it off with a knife and just how horrific it was and how long it took to think like, okay, that's a 250 pound pig. Now multiply that by five or four or three or whatever. And now you've got a giant grizzly with much thicker fur. There's no way you're going to do it with a knife. Well, if you, di- I think you could mortally wound one, and it would bleed out, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't save you. Like they ain't gonna stop from that. No, unless they just ran off at that point. But you got to think, dude, they're fighting other grizzlies, man, with yeah. with claws the size of the knife, and I mean they're getting a hold of each other and tearing into each other. And yeah, I would definitely want something other than a knife. I would like to shoot it last second, point blank, gets a good slash. God, doesn't knock the pistol out of your hand. That's Our it. wives would dig those scars, wouldn't they? No, my wife would not want me to ever hunt again. Yeah, my wife yeah, doesn't really too. like the fact that I hunt grizzly country. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I don't think she'd be fond of it. She, In fact, she told me That's she wasn't going to do it again. So Shoot. Is it because you got your Yukon stolen or because of the brown bear? <laughs> He's just really toyed up on this Yukon. Yukon. <laughs> <laughs> now, we gave my mother-in-law a really hard time about that, but it ended up being... A huge blessing to us so yeah, I, yeah. I keep thinking about writing james pearson in prison and saying hey thanks man like you you saved me from like nine grand in debt just don't be stupid enough to put your return address on it <laughs> no definitely not all of a sudden my truck's gone also <laughs> now i think yeah grizzly grizzly country sounds fun it's just that extra mm-hmm. element uh added to the hunt Hopefully, I'm up there at some point chasing after animals, but uh, yeah, I've yet to hunt Wyoming or Montana. I feel like we have we've joked enough about this grizzly. If if anyone is like a newbie to Western hunting and they're like, "Oh, it doesn't sound like grizzlies are that big of a deal," we're definitely being sarcastic on a lot of things. Bring pepper yeah. spray. The pepper yeah, spray is by sure. far your best bet. If you want to bring a pistol, bring a pistol, but draw the pepper spray first. Yeah, and just mentally prepare yourself for going into grizzly country because it can be pretty intimidating if you don't yeah look up bear safety practices definitely mm-hmm. be smart about it guys yeah <laughs> i Take don't want someone to off. write it i would love to have mail 
you can email us anytime and we'll read it live. But I would hate for the first time someone emails in and is like, I went and hunted that unit you and Tyler were talking about. It sounded fun, and my brother got mauled. Thanks a lot, guys. It's not even gonna be. It's not even gonna be mail. It's gonna be on like Apple Podcasts, and it's gonna be a one star review of the podcast. <laughs> like I took their advice and got mauled by a grizzly. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. Hey, last thing. I, I know we're just over an hour now, but yeah. along those same lines. I did see a documentary about mountain lion attacks in like California, I think it was. And one of the stories was this guy, he was in his 60s or 70s, ran the same route on the same country road every single day. And he would stop and sit on this rock and like rehydrate partway through his run. And one day he gets there and I hope somebody finds this video or like has seen it also and remembers what show it was on. He stops, sits down and he could just, since something was watching him he turns as this mountain lion is like about to attack him it bites him on the shoulder he realizes he has a swiss army knife in his pocket pulls it out as he's being attacked by the mountain lion and just starts stabbing like this ends up taking out the carotid or the jugular or whatever on this mountain lion and it dies within yards of him he survives they get a picture of the two different blood spots from him and from the mountain lion where it had died. And that was the, the whole thing was a reenactment, except it showed the actual picture on scene when the first responders showed up. And so that I was like, that guy's got the coolest story, especially being in his sixties or seventies. Like you literally took out a mountain lion with a Swiss army knife. Yeah, did you hear about, story. Did you hear about the teacher that was at Colorado that killed the mountain lion with a rock? Uh, uh-uh. the one guy kneeled on one. Or like stepped on its throat until it died. I might have been the same guy. It attacked him. It was a teacher. And um, killed it with a rock. And then like hit it with a rock. And then I think he stepped on its throat until it died. Oh, yeah. I'm probably butchering it. Hopefully somebody, well, someone listening probably knows the story. Though. No, Send dude, it. that's that was that was in the town that we lived in in Colorado. And it was on Horsetooth Mountain. Yeah. Which we used to hike up all the time. So like we had hiked on that trail that it happened on. Well, then the details came out, right? And it's like, oh, it was this, like, teacher that's pretty fit. And then there was, like, a 40-pound, like, anorexic male mountain lion. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah. oh, well, I could take a 40-pound cat. And then my brother, who's, like, he's so smart and has, like, the wittiest comebacks, is like, why don't you go try to give your house cat a bath? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then tell me if you want to fight a 40-pound mountain lion. <laughs> Well, and that was the thing, like Joe Rogan talked about him, the meat eater crew talked about him, and everyone was like, dude, this guy's the craziest. And he had he did an interview and his face was all cut up and like just I mean, he had scabs everywhere. And they're like, dude, this guy's insane. Like he killed a wild animal without even a tool. Like he I think they ended up saying that what caused the animal to die was that he stepped on its neck until it suffocated. And and everyone's like, dude, this guy's the most badass human being on the planet. And then it was like, oh, it turns out the cat was 80 pounds. And I was like, I don't okay, even think it was that pounds, big. dude. No it was joke. Like 40 pounds. Well, no, it, they kept. Uh, oh, as the story is coming up. Like yeah. It was like a full grown mountain lion. Then it was an 80 pounder. Then it was 60. Then it was 40. And I think the last, the last uh, report was that the cat was between 35 and 45 pounds. <laughs> and I had that same exact thought about the house cat. I was like, dude, I don't like little five pound house cats. I can't imagine one that's 
eight times that size. No chance. Like, yeah, I would rather fight any dog than any cat. I agree. Anyways, wow, that was a that was a fun podcast from you guys. Yeah, it was me to just all how we all would like to not. We would all like to be attacked, but not fatally by a grizzly bear. Uh, Somebody's gonna catch us all elk hunting together. Like we're gonna finally yeah. plan an elk hunt together, and we're all gonna come home with like the exact same scar. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone's gonna be like, ah, "I think I heard a podcast about this about two years ago." We're all walking around with like raw meat in our cargo. Yeah. No, I meant just we're just each like taking our broadheads on each other. Oh, yeah. Like, oh no, yeah, give we'll me give me like better. a little squirrely one. Yeah, <laughs> we all post it. We all three got slashed by the same grizzly bear. It'd be cool. If Brian's it's like... like trying to cut it down his eyeball. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, no, Let's... I'm not doing any fake scars. It better be the real deal or nothing. Let's plan an elk hunt though. That'd be fun. I'll give you a unit, Dan. If you want to go get that real scar. <laughs> if you want to yeah just wait until all the cows die and then go hunt right in the middle of the cow carcasses um, there you go well man guys thanks for hopping on thanks yeah. for chatting and uh yeah i'm gonna have to come up there now since you guys are besties i'll just yeah, come up hang out with you guys we'll do some archery shooting out at the uh out at the ground yeah yeah game. we're gonna try to get the summer get together going when they get up and into mm-hmm. the season everything's launched we'll do another podcast uh, two bucks podcast out live and i'm sure you guys will throw some type of a party tyler yeah we're gonna do a uh kind of a relaunch here at some point so yeah i can let you know when that is mm-hmm. and then dan you just tell us when you're ready to hunt with the two grizzly guys and we'll we'll take you wherever i don't know if i want that title yet i don't think i've earned it i think a lot of people yeah, have suffered yeah. a lot worse than i have to I earn that title I yeah, agree. and I'll I'll wait till you guys actually have elk success with your bows out in Montana. Hey now, before I come hey up now, hey, we've both packed elk out on our trips. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's a I, team effort. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of guys who would be happy to call me up to come pack out elk for them, but uh, I want to shoot one. I want to shoot one with my bow. Well, the problem with bow hunting elk is you almost need a better hunter than you to be the yeah. caller, like. The the caller's got more work than the hunter. Oh yeah, and that's been my my issue. I'm the only one that calls in our group before, so I'm the I'm the odd man out. I I always get stuck calling, so and I like it, but dang, yeah. I yeah, I guess I didn't really think about. I dude, I've never tried to call an elk at all. Uh, I actually I take that back. I tried to call one just with my voice in Utah because I had one bugling right right outside our camp. Let me and let me turn cool. down my volume feedback and why don't you why don't you let that rip, Dan? No way, dude. My throat has been so sore. Like, I want to hear then, your I want to hear your bugle without a reed. I do too. Oh, dude, we'll do it. We'll do it in person at some point. When we're um, out in Colorado, bring, when we're out in Colorado, I'll bring a reed and you you bring your tongue and your tonsils and we'll see who wins. Dude, I no joke. There might even be video evidence of this because Linnea had her camera with, and I was calling back and forth with this bull it was the oldest raspiest bull i've ever heard in my life and i was calling back and forth with it just using my voice and by the end of it i could barely talk because i was trying to go so high pitch and it my throat my throat was sore for probably four days after that but it actually worked (laughs) not saying that i'd call one in because it sounded like every time he responded he was getting farther away but (laughs) 
the fact that he responded at all, I was pretty proud of. Well, hey, there you yeah. go. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, that's a good note to end this one on. Yeah. Thanks for uh thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, guys.